Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's up, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Believe in Falcons. I'm your host, Will McFadden. We are going to be diving deep into Atlanta's first preseason game against the Miami Dolphins, a 19-3 win. You know, a lot of those points came late in the fourth quarter, but it was a very inspiring victory. Nonetheless, a lot of really great play defensively from Atlanta. The ground game was as excellent as always. So that is going to be the majority of today's podcast is just a deep dive, not a not a rapid reaction. You know, there, there's enough rapid, quick reactions. I went back, I rewatched the game today, this morning, took a lot of copious notes, read a lot of the, the post-game stories. So this is meant to be, hey, the game happened on Friday, it's Monday, what's happened since then? And now that I've been able to take a closer look, I want to give you every little detail that I saw from this game. So it was it was worth it. Trust me. That is going to be today's show. Up front, though, I want to talk about a little bit of news that came about on Sunday afternoon. Michael Walker, you know, a pretty uh, pretty big name, I guess, uh, from the former Dan Quinn, Thomas Dimitrov regime out of Fresno State, a uh, draft pick, you know, some high hopes initially on in his career. Uh, he has been released, and it's it's a little sad. You know, I, I think that, Myself, uh, especially last year, I mean, I was banging the Michael Walker uh, drum. I wanted him to get more snaps. I wanted him to see more time out there on the field. And he did initially started last year as a starter. And then it became kind of clear as the season went along, his snaps started getting reduced. And, you know, he just never really grew, I think, into that role that the Falcons envisioned for him. And And it's always hard when you are part of the last draft class of a coach and a GM who are no longer there, right? Like obviously the people who come in, the new head coach, the new general manager, they don't really have any ties to you. There's no, you know, skin in the game for them, right? If Arthur Blank wants to come to Terry Fontenot and say, hey, like what, what's going on with Michael Walker? You know, he's not really doing it for me anymore. Like Terry Fontenot doesn't have to defend that pick. He didn't make it. So I, I'm not saying that that's any reason why, you know, Mike Walker is no longer with the team. It just makes it easier if he's not performing and he's a no name. It, it kind of does send the message. So Mike Walker ultimately started 20 games for the Falcons. He a little bit like Deion Jones had a penchant, I think, more for big, splashy plays. Although looking back at his career, I, I thought he had more than three interceptions. It just feels like all three of those interceptions came in games where he played like five snaps and then he just got on the field and made a pick, and then they took him off the field. Um, but his his total statistics as a Falcon, 20 starts, 187 combined tackles, three interceptions, and a sack. Uh, you know, he did play a, a decent amount against Miami in, in the first preseason game, which we'll get to here in a second. Maybe that should have been an indicator. He didn't play particularly well, either against backups and, and third-teamers um, for most of that game. So Mike Walker no longer um, a member of the Atlanta Falcons. Kind of in his stead, the uh, the Falcons made another move signing linebacker Frank Ginda. Um, so he was out there at practice for the team um, on Sunday. But again, the big news is that Michael Walker no longer with the Atlanta Falcons. Um, so we're going to touch on him a little bit because he did play in that first 
preseason game. Although, you know, that's going to be the last uh, that we probably talk about Michael Walker, barring anything in the future. Um, again, and it's a shame. You hate to see it, but that's life in the NFL. So let's get to more of the takeaways from Friday's game against the Miami Dolphins in one sec. But first, Bet Online is the number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your f- favorite casino and card games, which are available to play right from your phone. So head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, where the game starts. All right, so the big takeaways from Friday night's game against the Miami Dolphins. I think starting off, it was kind of the emblematic victory for, I think, what this uh, Falcons team is supposed to be under Arthur Smith, right? It's been three years in the making. They inherited a team that was really kind of already built. Like, that's the hard part, I think, about in the NFL. Some teams, you know, a coach comes in and oversees a teardown and and maybe another head coach comes in and they do have the cupboard bare, which on the surface looks like a bad thing. But Sometimes that's not the worst case, right? If you have a a pretty big checkbook and the cabinet's bare, you get to then go out and buy a bunch of stuff that suits your needs and your desires. The Falcons were in a little bit of a a different situation when Arthur Smith and Terry Fontenot came on board. Not only financially were they all locked in, you know, they did not really have any wiggle room because every nickel and dime was kind of already accounted for and, and signed up and Unfortunately, a lot of those nickels and dimes were going to players that were no longer on the team. We all know the story, right? We know that now this free agency, they've had the the pocketbooks, the purse strings finally open back up. They've made a lot of changes. They've brought in a lot of the guys, particularly on the defensive side of the ball, that they think better fits the vision for this team. And I, I think on Friday night, you saw the first real true iteration of that. And what I mean by that is that this is a team not like 2016 that is going to be looking to win games 36-32, right? And if we have the ball last, yeah, good luck. You're not going to stop us. But if the other team has the ball last, it's not really the the place you want to be living. I think that we saw last year, this team kind of doesn't mind being in a lot of one-score games. I think that they situationally feel that, okay, we can execute. We're not going to get flustered. We've got the confidence. We have the mental fortitude, all of that stuff to kind of play in these one score games, because that's what the NFL is, right? When all of these teams sit there and say, yeah, they played in eight one score games last season and they were three and five. Wait until next year when that turns around, everybody plays eight one score games. Like that's just what the NFL is. And good teams win these one score games, sometimes fluky teams not saying the Minnesota Vikings last year were fluky. I don't expect them to win all of their one score games again this year. And that's sometimes where you see a team fall back to earth. But the Falcons are kind of building a team that wants to play these one score games when the offense doesn't have a series that ends in a touchdown or a field goal or frankly, even a punt. You know, let's say it's turnover that the defense, then the expectation is, all right, you're you're bowing up and you're making the stop here. It's not a team that is identified by one side of the ball. It's a team that's identified by all sides of the ball. And 
that is why I, I think that if you look at three Falcons touchdowns yesterday, one offensively, one on defense, one on special teams. Beautiful. Beautiful. That, I think, is exactly what, especially in the preseason, you want to see because that's indicative of, all right, we've, we've got something in all three phases here. We've got something that is working, that's working already. And that is going to be, again, I, I think indicative of the type of team that we want to see here in Atlanta under Arthur Smith in 2023, because I think that that's his vision. I, I think that you're going to see a tough, grinded out team, more like the Mike Smith teams than the Dan Quinn teams. And, you know, I, I think that's kind of welcome here, especially if you're going to see it start in the trenches the way that it uh, happened last night, because here's kind of the, the, the dirty secret, I think, about that game on Friday night. The, the Dolphins were able to move the ball offensively. I mean, they, they were able to go up and down the field. There's a reason why the Falcons, you know, had to come up big in the red zone, and they certainly did. I mean, the Dolphins were 0, and 0 of 3 in the red zone, and that is where this win for the Falcons is a situational win, which is shocking kind of at this point in the preseason because situational football and I'm not saying that one game means that the Falcons are just good for the rest of the season that like go ahead and start week one today line up against the Panthers let's go they're they're good but generally situational football is something that takes a little bit of time to get right because it requires a lot of people usually being on the same page in sync um you know, really playing at the their highest level because those are the money downs, right? If you watch the three-point contest at the uh, NBA All-Star Weekend and they've got the money balls or the, the last balls or the last rack, and that's kind of situational football. You're in the red zone, you're in third down, fourth down. I mean, when the Dolphins were moving the ball and getting kind of explosive plays, which is how they were able to get 30-yard gains and, and kind of move down into the, into the red zone for the Falcons, that's when the defensive line really came to life. I think Timmy Horn, and I'm going to get to, to some of the players who really jumped out to me um, here later on, but Timmy Horn especially in the red zone just became an animal. I mean, blowing up the interior, forcing cutbacks, just forcing checkdowns, all of this stuff. He really played a big role, but overall, the Falcons defense just did such a great job when the field condensed and tightened. They found a way to make plays. And whether that be getting to the quarterback, uh, you know, I, I think that the Falcons, what they were able to do defensive line wise, I'm going to have a piece going up on the Falcolic.com tomorrow morning. So when you guys are hearing this Monday morning, it should be up at uh, 8 a.m. Go check that out. It's about what I've seen from the defensive line, really just in training camp. And that continued uh, in this first preseason game. But the way that they were able to dictate action and then conversely on the offense for Atlanta I mean, moving the line of scrimmage three, four yards down the field, there's a reason that, uh, you know, Godwin Iguabuike was able to, to find so much running room and then the vision that he displayed. Really, there were, it wasn't perfect. It, there were moments where, you know, it, it looked like, all right, if, if we see more of this on Sundays, it, it's unfortunately, I think, going to be a little bit more of the same. But we did see moments where it, this was totally new, totally different than what we have seen is more indicative of a good team. Like good teams make these plays. Good teams absolutely shed their single blocks and then make a tackle in the backfield. There were some missed tackles, to be sure, but there were some big impact plays. And I think that's kind of my big picture takeaway from this game is it was more 
the style that I think you're going to see Arthur Smith want to play. And it's come a long way since 2021 when you still had Matt Ryan and they were throwing the ball as much as any team in the league. Last year, they really went run heavy because I think that, you know, again, the Matt Ryan situation, Deshaun Watson, bringing Marcus Mariota in, I, I really do feel as though the Falcons and Arthur Smith especially did a great job of identifying, okay, how can we win with what we've got? And they built a system that allowed them the best chance to win given the ingredients they had to work with. This year, though, they are, I think, building much closer to the ideal version of what this team is supposed to be. And, and I think for a very first view of it, couldn't ask for anything better. Sure, yeah, it could have been 45 to three, but this was a Falcons-style victory. And even though it came in week one in the preseason, I don't think we should discount that because, and we're going to get to this in one sec, who played and who didn't? This wasn't the starters for Atlanta. These were the backups, but you're seeing how the flavor of this team is trickling down. It's not just your Grady Jarrett's or your Jake Matthews. It's your Timmy Horns. It's your D. Alfords. You know, it's your Nate Landmans. These guys are really embodying the spirit of, of this team. And, and I think that more than anything was my big picture takeaway. And it was so, so impressive to see that on Friday night, just the connectivity that these guys played with offensively, defensively, and special teams. Don't worry, we're getting the young way coup. Uh, I did not forget about that. You know, the, the guys that didn't play, right? None of the starters were out there with a couple notable exceptions um, who I'll get to, but you didn't see Desmond Ritter. You didn't see B. John Robinson. You didn't see Cordero Patterson or Drake London or Kyle Pitts or Grady Jarrett or Calais Campbell or A.J. Terrell or any of these guys. You know, you really saw the second team, the third team. And, and I talked to Arthur Smith on, on Wednesday about that. And I kind of got the sense, you know, he was mostly talking about the quarterback situation, trying to figure out what to do with the, the third quarterback, because that is a real um, decision that a lot of teams are going to have to be making around the league. And I kind of want to maybe do a little bit of a deeper dive into that new rule. Um, so maybe maybe that'll be coming sooner rather than later. But Logan Woodside, I thought, looked pretty good, but he was behind the backup offensive line, working with backup skill guys. Defensively, you saw Arnold Evicati, you saw Michael Walker, you saw D. Alford, you saw Trey Flowers. Like those are some guys out there that are that are some big names. But defensively, it does feel like a lot more is up in flux. It, it does feel like these guys are definitely fighting for a job. Mike Hughes and D. Alford are in direct competition potentially for that starting nickel spot. So if there is no inherent starter, put them both out there. That's what this time is for. So I, you know, I wrote down some of the guys. Uh, who weren't really starters, I, I guess, like if I was going to have to write a list of here are probably my 22 starters going in or 25 if we want to count the uh, special teamers, which I do, I do. Um, but Arnold Epicady, Michael Walker, D. Alford, Trey Flowers, Mike Hughes, and then Parker Hesse is the one guy who I didn't name who is essentially a starter offensively. My tinfoil hat is uh, he's just too valuable Honestly, it's Arthur Smith's offense to not have out there, even in a preseason game. He just, he's the stir that straws the drink, man. Parker Hesse is, is like the greatest player on this offense. He does it all. So much fun to watch him. Um, no, I'm just kidding, but it is fun to watch him. Just the greatest part. But 
I, you know, I, I think that that's indicative of some of the camp battles that are still going on. Obviously, with the Michael Walker news, that's indicative of a whole different thing. That's more indicative of us all just being wrong about where he stood on the depth chart, about, you know, what his future might hold here in Atlanta. Um, but those guys all got some action for the most part, played pretty well. I, I think you saw Trey Flowers um, up there early on make that kind of come off of his guy in the end zone to then tip the pass that then gets intercepted by DeMarco Hellams. Just a real heads up veteran type of play. Uh, and frankly, something that like we haven't seen a lot from Atlanta's secondary, you saw more of that in New Orleans. And so, yes, even though Ryan Nielsen's background is defensive line in, in that front, the Saints secondary always played with a level of swagger that I kind of was frankly jealous of and wanted here in Atlanta. So far in camp and so far in this first preseason game, you're seeing aggressiveness. Jerry Gray has part of that. Steve Jackson has part of that um, as the guys who are really working in the secondary. But it's just aggressive, lights out. That Trey Flowers play is, is kind of freelancing, allowing you know somebody else. That That is, I hope we see more of that. I'm not going to say that you know they're, they're going to, to absolutely play that way, but it sure looks like they will. And if they do, that's very exciting because that is the type of actual play that, yeah, it's going to be risk reward. You're going to give up some big plays in man coverage. I think they're going to be playing a lot of man coverage, but you're also going to actually lead to some of these turnovers, to some of these big plays. These 50-50 balls are going to go your way sometimes, right? And it's a far cry from the zone coverage that we saw for a long time under, under Dan Quinn. And I think it's going to be refreshing, even though there are moments where you know, I think you uh, think back to like Robert Alford and how he had a little bit of a propensity to be right there in coverage and then get beaten just in man coverage. Like you may see some more of that than you have recently, but you're going to see far less of dudes just catching the ball kind of with nobody within four yards of them. Um, so the secondary, I thought, played really well for the most part, um, but they did have some of the bigger names in there, like a Trey Flowers, like a D. Alford, like a, a Mike Hughes. Um, I thought Arnold Ebicady, it was interesting that he played kind of throughout the whole game, obviously made a play there at the very end with the strip sack. Beautiful inside spin move. He continues to add little things to his game that make me very encouraged about his future. But I do think it's telling that he was out there on uh, on Friday night as much as he was. Now, maybe more of that has to do with the depth that Atlanta's added to specifically kind of that outside linebacker position. You know, you still have Lorenzo Carter. You do now have Bud Dupree. You've got Arnold Ebicady, Ade Ogundeshi, kind of in that defensive end, outside linebacker, hybrid model type of deal. You know, I'm not really sure what, what they're kind of doing there, but it's just, uh, there's a lot of guys kind of now on the edge. If you want to throw Calais Campbell into that mix as well, D'Angelo Malone, like, they're just bodies. And so I kind of feel like you're not throwing Bud Dupree out there. You're not putting Lorenzo Carter out there. So yeah, Arnold Ebicady is kind of that next man up. Get him those reps. It's only year two for him. He hasn't necessarily earned just like, all right, you're off with all the starters because I don't think he's a starter at this point. And so it was nice to see him make the plays that he did and kind of take advantage of the opportunities that were out there for him. Um, he wasn't perfect, but he did a lot of the little things really, really well. And then, of course, at the end, makes that big play. He gets the sack uh, and the uh, the force fumble and the fumble recovery, which essentially, for all intents and purposes, 
ends the game. I should mention that Atlanta ends or finished with five sacks overall. Nate Lamon got one. Albert Huggins and uh, Mike Jones Jr. combined for one. Arnold Ebicati got one. Uh, Cliff Chapman and uh, Natrone Brooks both got one as well in the secondary. So again, you're seeing it's kind of coming from all levels, second level especially, and that's what I think you're going to see a lot with this defense under Ryan Nielsen is creativity to create pressure, second level blitzes, slot blitzes, um, and then of course, just generating pressure with your defensive line. Um, So those were kind of some of the guys that were not pure backups kind of fighting for the roster bubble that I saw out there that I just wanted to call out because I I think we'll see the starters next week. That's the expectation. How much do we see of these guys and when do they start getting into the mix? I I think we saw one piece of the puzzle and maybe that they're not full-blown starters. They're not up here yet, but are they like down here? Because we didn't see any of the starters play. So how much of the run does Arnold Ebicati get with guys like Grady Jarrett and Saquon Graham in the mix? You know, how much is he next to those guys? Or is he purely going to be with the Timmy Horns and the Carlos Davises of the world when they're out there? Like that's going to be the other half of the puzzle is how much do they mix in with the starters? And that'll give us, I think, a little bit of a better idea of the rotation, at least defensively, and how much we expect to see, you know, somebody like a Trey Flowers, uh, although I expect see him a lot out there because he's going to be for all intents and purposes right now. He looks like that other outside starter. Um, but I think you guys get my point. How much do they mix in when the other uh, starters are out there? So the third uh, topic for tonight, and this is something that I think we're going to do throughout the season. Uh, it's a fun little just exercise, kind of a play on overreaction, underreaction, whatever. And because everything has to have a cute name, I'm going to call this freak out or fine. Are we fine with it or are we freaking out? Pretty self-explanatory. Only one guy that we really like need to talk about, um, I think, after that game, and that's Young Way Koo. I mentioned none of the starters really were out there. Well, he is a starter. He missed two extra points. Uh, am I freaking out about this or, or, or is everything fine? It's fine. It's fine, guys. It's preseason game one. I, you know, I don't think they were necessarily working on anything because, you know, you would go out there and just work on your extra points like that's what you're out there for. But I wouldn't necessarily put it beyond anybody to say, hey, it's the first preseason game. None of this counts. If there's any time for us to work on, I don't know, let's say like rushing, like if you're young way, cool. All right. Pretend like this is happening now. Do it like try it again. Not saying that that's what it was for like. It was almost assuredly just a normal extra point that he lined up and missed because he's a human. But I'm not worried about Young Way Koo. If there's anybody on this roster that I am not worried about at all, it's Young Way Koo because he has come through time and time again. And so until this is actually starting to happen in the regular season, and honestly, even then, it's going to need to happen for a while before I really start to worry about Young Way Koo. So I advise you to not worry about Young Way Koo either. That is our. First edition of Freak Out or Fine. And the verdict is we're fine. We're fine with Young Way Koo missing two extra points. Let's move on to the fourth and final topic. Let's uh, look ahead a little bit to next week's preseason game, the second preseason game at home against the Cincinnati Bengals. As I said, the Falcon starters are expected to play. Arthur, si- Arthur Smith said as much after the game. The broadcast said as much during the game. So it's slowly being leaked out there they're they're going to be playing it's not even a leak at this point like people are just outright saying it it would basically be a movie trailer if you're going to see barbie this week or oppenheimer 
highly recommend both. Uh, man, Oppenheimer is so good. You're going to see probably a movie trailer and Arthur Smith is going to walk in and sit in his director's chair and he's going to look, you know, really, really sternly at camera one. Maybe, maybe he's even going to straighten out his mustache a little bit. And he's going to say, hey, the starters. We're on Cincinnati. They're going to be playing. So that is going to be the expectation and probably the reality on uh, Friday night when they take on the Cincinnati Bengals is that you're going to see Desmond Ritter. You're going to see Kyle Pitts. You're going to see Bijan Robinson. You're going to see Drake London and Grady Jarrett and all these people that I named earlier. Um, so again, how do they mix in all of these guys that we saw last night, the guys who played really well? And I wrote down some of the, uh, the players who I think starting today because they held their first practice, but then throughout the rest of the week and then really throughout the rest of the preseason, these are the guys who I think jumped out to me and really set themselves up nicely or if not a spot on the 53-man roster, at least a spot on the practice squad with a solid end to camp and the preseason. Um, and so no particular order. Ryan Newsel, uh Played center for most of the game early on in the game, and then he kind of switched over to left guard a little bit. So that shows the versatility. And, you know, Arthur Smith has talked about Ryan Newsel, uh, Newsflash, a few times now. So obviously, like, he's somebody that, as a depth piece, has the versatility they like. He's obviously their kind of direct backup center to Drew Dahlman. I thought he played really well. He played a good amount uh, of snaps out there for Atlanta. Um, in fact, I've got the number in front of me. He played 40 snaps, which was tied for the second most. Also played three special team snaps. So yeah, Ryan Newsel, I, I thought really helped himself tonight and just solidified kind of that role as maybe the uh, the backup center again this season. Timmy Horn, uh, I mentioned him earlier, just really, really came alive. He played 28 snaps um, for the defense. And after last season, you know, I, I I know that the defensive line got depth got so much better. I'm really curious to see where he slots in. Like, does he get kind of that final spot on this? Um, you know, there, there's a few guys like we talk a lot about, I think the wide receiver battle, um, this kind of late deep down in the defensive line, that seven, eight, nine spot, depending on how many they decide to keep really, you got a few guys there. Uh, Joe Gaziano, Timmy Horn, um, Carlos Davis, I mentioned earlier, like those guys are all playing pretty well. And uh, it'll be very, very interesting to see. Albert Huggins was another guy who who made a big play. He's also on my list. Um, defense back Natrone Brooks. He and Cliff Chapman kind of are, are bigger bodies, bigger uh, defenders. But I was really impressed just with the energy and the urgency that Brooks was playing with. There was a wide receiver screen that he flew down from maybe 12 yards away and didn't make the tackle, but he tripped him up enough uh, to make the stop, he also had a really cool play where he was following the the jet sweep guy in uh, motion, but it was clear they were in man coverage. And then he comes in and makes the tackle in the flat. Very similar to the A.J. Terrell play against Minnesota his rookie year. If you guys remember the play I'm talking about, you'll know it. Um, so he had a really good game. I thought Breon Borders also clearly the, the pick six there at the end, but pretty solid game overall for him. DeMarco Hellams. Another interception. So a, a good day for a lot of the reserve secondary players, uh, basically overall. And they have been a standout group. Just again, I mentioned the tenacity, the aggressiveness. Those guys played so well, two of them with picks. But then, you know, Natron Brooks had a sack. And just I, I thought that his aggressiveness is something that, you know, the Falcons could use. We I really like Devon Witherspoon because of that tenacity and that aggressiveness. 
And I kind of saw something similar out of Natron Brooks um, in this first game. And I was very, very pleasantly surprised. He may have been the, the player that upon rewatch really stuck out to me the most. So just file that away um, and let's see what he kind of do does uh, moving forward in these final two preseason games. Uh, a couple more offensively. Zay Malone, uh, Xavier Malone on offense made some nice catches. I, I thought Josh Ali had uh, an early reception, but then he clearly had that drop and there was a teaching moment. And if you really want to know what training camp and kind of what the preseason is for and the little things that separate somebody who may not make a roster and somebody who is, you know, a pro bowler at the NFL level, there's a play where um, Josh Ali is, it's on third and short. He's running. It's a bootleg to the left. Logan Woodside's out in the flat. Josh Ali has some leverage on his, his man and he runs pretty much a quick like five yard out. However, as he's running parallel to the line of scrimmage, he starts to drift and he's no longer going parallel and he's drifting upfield, upfield, upfield. That allows Miami safety Cam Smith, who had a heck of a game as a rookie, he comes in and he undercuts the route, a route that he never really should have been able to undercut because Josh Ali is drifting upfield. That allows the angle for Cam Smith to come in and bat that pass away. If Josh Ali maintains a very hard flat, stays right on that five-yard line and just runs right across, it's much, much harder for Cam Smith to undercut that and ultimately knock the pass away. And, you know, I learned this from JT O'Sullivan, YouTube channel, QB School, highly recommend. Uh, it's, I learned so much from that channel all the time, but he actually calls it an anti-interception route angle, where basically you're working slightly downhill to the quarterback and that makes it almost impossible for a uh, a defensive back to undercut you because you're actively working at a negative angle and they have to work at an even harder negative angle to get back and it's just so much harder so josh ali floating upfield is exactly not what you want it ultimately ended up being a pass breakup from a player who shouldn't have really been in the play and it, then you end up punting so i'm sure that as they went back to the to the film room today before practice or, or yesterday, what have you, whenever they did, that was probably a teaching point because again, it's the difference between a completion and now you've got a new set of downs and now you're rolling and maybe that's a touchdown or at least you come up with points and it's a pass breakup that never should have happened because you just started kind of thinking about the run after the catch. And that's what it looked like on replay is he just started drifting upfield, wanted to make the catch and turn and go. And ultimately it ends up not even being a completion. So I made a note of that. I wanted to uh, to just call that out because when I saw that, I was like, that's exactly, exactly what coaches are looking for in preseason games and training camp because that is what separates, you know, the guys that are, are really going to be helpful out there on Sunday that do the little things. When we talk about little things, as a receiver, that's a little thing, but it makes all the difference between a, a first down and a punt. And so... I, I think that Josh Ali can bounce back to the, from that. I, I've seen some good things from him in camp. He ultimately, you know, had that play and then he came back and he dropped kind of a bomb downfield that should have been a big gain. So let's see uh, how he responds. Um, but Zay Malone was the receiver that in kind of Josh Ali's, you know, decline a little bit late in the game. I thought Zay Malone stepped up in his place, made some tough catches deep over the middle. Um, so I, I started out thinking Josh Ali was going to be the wide receiver that kind of impressed me the most for the reasons I just laid out that went away and it was Zay Malone who really stepped up and shout out to Kevin Knight of Dirty Birds and Brews, our, uh, 
Sister Pod here for uh, Believe Falcons coverage. He has been really high on uh, on Zay Malone all throughout camp. So uh, hat tip to Kevin. And then the last one was Godwin Iguabuike, who I uh, shouted out earlier. He had the touchdown run, um, finished with over 80 yards on the ground and just a heck of an outing for him. I, I know it's a little bit like if the uh, three stooges had like a fourth stooge who was also really, really funny. That's kind of what this performance feels like. You know, there's just, unfortunately, maybe not enough room, but he's a little bit of a different player than the uh, the guys they have in the backfield and never say never. You know, when Cable, Caleb Huntley was in the mix, we all assumed there were going to be four running backs. Avery Williams is, you know, done for the year. So maybe Gwibwike here is is the fourth running back, and that's a heck of a uh, a running back group. So, yeah, that's uh, that's kind of the fallout, I think, from game one. Those are the guys who really popped to me, so I'm curious just to track them for the remainder of the preseason, see how they do, um, and really kind of in camp, see if anything changes depth chart wise. So yeah, that uh, that's my deep dive from this first Falcons preseason game, a 19 to three win over a team in the AFC that a lot of people have high hopes for. You know, questions again about Tua and you know the concussions and all that stuff still feel icky, but there's no question when the Dolphins are on it and they're at their best, like they're an AFC playoff contender, and the AFC is. Right now, it feels like light years ahead of the NFC so that the Falcons, even though it was reserves, even though it was kind of not really the the true strengths of both teams out there on the field, you didn't have to go against Tyreek Hill or Jalen Waddell, who I know got kind of dinged up uh, this past week. Didn't have to go against them. Didn't have to go against Christian Wilkins or any of those guys. But this was a great showing, a great showing for the Atlanta Falcons in their first preseason game. You try not to overreact too much to the preseason, but... The way they finished, the way that they got kind of contribution across the board from a lot of different dudes, the strategy. I mean, I haven't even mentioned Logan Woodside yet. Part of that is because, you know, I just don't know where things are going to end up with the quarterback position, partially because I think the rest of the roster, there's some good players on this team and there's some good players that I think are going to ultimately end up being cut. And so how do you weigh a third quarterback versus maybe somebody like Iwabuike, who also played I want to say like nine special team snaps. He was on the field all night long. And that's somebody who can add a lot of value at a lot of different spots. Um, And so, you know, maybe it is somebody like an Atrone Brooks who I mentioned earlier or uh, like a Breon Borders. Like maybe somebody continues to play really, really well and, and steps up. And so all these spots like Logan Woodside played very, very well. He was the fourth rated, uh, Falcons player, according to PFF, offensively for that game. I, you know, at one point we completed seven straight passes with seven of eight. So like he did a lot of the little things. I just, I don't know if I saw enough from him to really think that, all right, on a Sunday, if, if both guys, Taylor Heineke and Desmond are down, like, are you going to win a game with Logan Woodside? I don't know. Um, so that's kind of why I haven't really shared too many opinions on him because like, if anything, Friday's performance just kind of left me right at, at neutral. Like, sure, okay, he's a good third third quarterback. Is that worth the roster spot? Um, I don't know. So those are my thoughts uh, from Friday's game. Going to have a lot more uh, after game two when we get to see a lot of the starters. So that's going to be very, very exciting. Here's what we've got um, on tap coming up. I'm going to actually be speaking with uh, some of the founders of the Guardian Caps, the uh, the inventors of that technology that is now being used across the NFL for training camps and and preseason and get some idea of just 
how effective they are, kind of what those conversations were like with the league. So you'll get some of that on Thursday. And then I'm going to try to, uh, you know, chat with somebody else about the Falcons, what they've seen up at training camp and all of that good stuff before the next preseason game against Cincinnati. But that will do it for me today. As always, today's show was presented by Bet Online. Please like, subscribe, let everybody know where they can find us. Check us out on YouTube, all of that good stuff. Go follow me on Twitter at Will McFadden while you're at it. Um, but that'll do it for me today. Until next time, everybody, take care. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.